Well, hello everyone. Good morning, good day, good afternoon. Whatever time it may be for you, it's morning for me and for the rest of the Left After Breakfast team here in 3CR, your only radio left, down in the southeastern corner of Australia in Melbourne. And it's good to be back. It's a brand new year for us here on Left After Breakfast. Susanna with you to start off as always and I'll be joined later on by some of those hardy stalwarts of this program. I hope you all had a good break. I did. I had a great break and managed to survive through all the terrible plague that we're surrounded by and I hope that you all did too. Well if you're listening you did and that's good news all round. I hope you had a good uh, Chinese New Year too, a good Lunar New Year. This year is the year of the water tiger, a year of all types of extremes, extremes. And this is the house of expansion. And this year that means expansion through aggression and conflict in the world, like the tiger. Tigers will rule the jungle in 2022. So we're all going to go through significant changes according to, you know, Chinese astrology. (laughs) I mean, if you follow Chinese astrology or any astrology or anything for that matter, I don't, I don't think it's fun to read. Each of us will go through significant changes. Some will lose huge fortunes and others will gain power. But the people with strong self-confidence will easily overcome their fear zone. That's nice. So if you've got strong self-confidence, you can overcome your fear zone. If you had strong self-confidence, you might not have a fear zone. But I don't really know about that because I don't have all that fantastic self-confidence. But I'm looking at that the water element in the tiger represents wealth. And according to... The Chinese, you know, lunar thingo, astrology, whatever you want to call it, because I'm a rooster. I've got lucky horoscope for 2022. My career will be smooth (laughs) and I will receive helpful support from others when needed. But I should make more effort in work, golly. And I might have more clients in business generating more income. So... Because I have my own business, fortunes will fluctuate and I better keep some current fund. And it says for me to avoid purchasing unnecessary luxuries. Well, you know, I didn't really need a Chinese astrology to tell me that. But I'll I'll keep it in mind. No purchasing unnecessary luxuries and work hard at my um, business. (laughs) Well, golly. As I said, I didn't need any lunar astrology to tell me that. We don't need any astrology to tell us anything. We don't need soothsayers or fortune tellers or anything of that ilk. Well, I'm a rationalist and a humanist, and I don't believe in the tooth fairy. And I assume that you, listener, are the same. An educated person, not dictated to by Mombo Jumbo, God of the Congo. Well, let's get on to what we're doing today. And of course, I like to start always, as you know, if you can remember, with a piece of music. Bella Chow was originally sung by the Mondina workers in protest against the harsh working conditions in northern Italy. A Mondina worker was a seasonal rice paddy worker, a woman, of course. 
in Italy's Po Valley from the late 19th century to the first half of the 20th. The work of Monda weeding was widespread in northern Italy in that time. The work consisted of removing weeds growing in rice fields and it took place during the flooding of the fields from the end of April to the beginning of June every year when the delicate shoots had to be protected from temperature differences between day and night. The Monda was an extremely tiring task carried out mostly by women of the poorest social classes. The most economically disadvantaged women from Emilia-Romagna, from Veneto, Lombardy and Piedmont. And they worked up in northern Italy, mostly around Vercelli. Now, we've got an image, when you think of rice paddies and women working, you think of Asian women working in rice paddies. Well, that's the image that comes to my mind. The workers spend their work days with their bare feet in water up to their knees and their back bent for hours. They wear a scarf and a big hat with a broad brim, of course. In northern Italy, these atrocious working conditions, the long hours and very, very low pay led to constant dissatisfaction and at times to rebellious movements and riots in the early years of the 20th century. What made it really hard in these struggles was the abundance of clandestine workers, clandestine workers ready to compromise even further the already low wages just to get work. These clandestine workers were the crumili, the strike breakers. We have another word for that. Anyway, the demands of the protesting riots were finally satisfied between 1906 and 1909, when all the communes of, of the province of Vecelli were required to abide by the eight-hour restriction. And no padrone could make these women work more than eight hours a day. I know that Balachau is associated with World War II and the partisans, but I like to think of it when it was first sung by those women working in the paddy fields, the Mondine, and how they fought for their eight-hour day. And here's Milva, the popular artist from the 1960s, singing Ballad Chow after quickly explaining what it was about. Canterò Bella Ciao, ma nella versione nella versione originale, cioè la canzone la canzone nata come canto delle mondine, è una canzone di tutte le mondine e quindi questa canzone ha più di 100 anni. Dopo è diventata, ha avuto un'altra versione, ma la versione originale è questa, cioè l'edizione delle mondine. Allora, bella, ciao. Grazie. Ciao, 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 ciao
sorts of stuff about the horrific conditions from the insects and mosquitoes to the boss's stick, the bastone, with which he would hit the curved backs of the workers. What a job, eh? Anyhow, in the 1940s, the song was adopted and revised by the anti-fascist resistance, and since then, Ballad Chow's been translated numerous times, performed by dozens of famous musicians, used at protests all over the world. Balachau is a metaphor for freedom. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's voice of dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. And sad news to pass on to you, listener. This week we lost a great fighter, a great person, and that was Harry Van Morst. Harry was originally from Maui, but I knew him at Melbourne University. In 1968, he was involved with others, of course, and formed Students from a Democratic Society, SGS. And in 1970, the Draft Resistors Union. Harry participated in anti-war actions over many years. He was a vice chair of the moratorium representing the youth movement and student alliance. He was an MC on the speaker's truck along with draft resistors when they were defended from the police by a large crowd. That was an amazing day, that one. The draft resistors on the back of the truck with Harry talking on his megaphone and the police came to arrest them but the large crowd stopped them getting through. Harry was also involved in the sanctuary and siege at Melbourne University. He participated in many of the campaigns and activities of the anti-war and the anti-conscription movements of that time. Later, of course, he continued his activism in a number of areas, including social justice and environment issues. 
I'm going to have to play a song from that time, Remembering Harry, and this is from Country Joe, and it was at Woodstock in 1969. Another one of the bits of music I have on top of my wardrobe. Amazing what's up there. Well, come on, all of you big, strong men. Uncle Sam, need your help again. Got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. The next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven. Open up the pearly gates. Well, there ain't no time to wonder why. We're all Come on, Wall Street, don't be slow. I man this is war a go-go. There's plenty good money to be made. Supplying the army with the tools of the trade. Just so afraid that if they drop the bomb, we're dropping on a Viet Cong. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. The next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven. Open up the pearly gates. Well, I ain't no time to wonder why. We'll be all going to die. Now come on, generals, let's move fast. Your big chance is here at last. Now you can go out and get those reds, because the only good commie is one that's dead. And you know that peace can only be won when the blown them all the kingdom comes. Sing it! One, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, don't give me. Louder! That stops rather abruptly, but there's about five minutes of wild applause, and it's the last thing you want to hear on 3CR. You're listening to Left After Breakfast, and I've been talking about Harry Van Morst and how he will be missed. Harry was a warm and genuine comrade. He always listened carefully to different positions and arguments, and he played a key role in organising the anti-Vietnam War movement. So you could say Harry was a legendary anti-war and environmental activist. But basically, we are lucky to have had someone like Harry. He was an absolute gentleman. I knew Harry's father, Albert, quite well on youth projects in Fitzroy and Collingwood. I still miss Albert, and now I can miss Harry. But in the meantime, I'll pull down another recording from the top of my wardrobe which fits in at that time. And this is a song from 1965. Barry Maguire. I bet you recognise it. 
is exploding, violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating, but you tell me. Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? Can't you feel the fears I'm feeling today? If the button is pushed, there's no running away. There'll be no one to save with the world in a grave. Take a look around you, boy. It's bound to scare you, boy. And you tell me. So mad, feels like coagulating. I'm sitting here just contemplating. I can't twist the truth, it knows no regulation. Handful of senators don't pass legislation, and marches alone can't bring integration. When human respect is disintegrating, this whole crazy world is just too frustrating, and you tell me. China, then take a look around to Selma, Alabama. You may leave here for four days in space, but when you return, it's the same old place. The pounding of the drums, the pride and disgrace. You can bury your dead, but don't leave a trace. Hate your next door neighbor, but don't forget to say grace and tell me. Hands up if you remember that song puts you in my age group. But I tell you what, we had some good songs in those days, didn't we? Arguably much, much better than the modern, for example, hip-hop. I suppose every generation says that. Our music was better, our clothes were better, we were just better people. I'm not saying we were better people, but by hell, we had bloody better music. Music with a message. Ah, good morning, you're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. And we'll be hearing from the bagman a little later. But for the moment, let's hear from Ask Bucko, who's back again for the year 2022 
with his remarkable insights on our Australian society. Ask Bucko, he'll tell you. We are a polite lot in Australia. We don't like to rock the boat. The recent Omicron death toll here has effectively doubled the number of deaths we suffered in 2021. We continue to listen to Scott Morrison and his incompetent team. They roll out their excuses and their selective comparisons with other countries. We live on an island and we we are now doing very badly and it's still summer. Imagine what winter will be like. We've learned to decipher the weasel words and to find the callous and orchestrated indifference behind them. When people die and you could have prevented the deaths, then you might have a case to answer. It's more than a political problem, it's a question of humanity. Of course, Richard Colbeck's decision to go to the cricket for three days while Omicron was marching unimpeded through aged care facilities is breathtaking and insensitive. But he is merely a pawn. Last year he was already hopeless and then they put Greg Hunt in to oversee his work in the sector. That was merely a cosmetic change, however, and unsuccessful. The time before Omicron emerged was wasted. The sector learned absolutely nothing from the mistakes of the past. This time around, Morrison has again defended him, saying the minister has listened and he would take it on the chin and move on. That is not a response. It is a meaningless statement. How do the aged care residents who've died move on? How do their grieving families move on? As Prime Minister, did Morrison not know his Minister for Sport was off to the cricket? Did Greg Hunt, his immediate boss, not know? Surely they discussed his appearance before a Senate committee to discuss his department's response to the Omicron wave. If not, why not? Of all the possible Senate committees that he could have attended, which is 55 over the last uh, two years, he's attended two. Morrison's never understood that as Prime Minister he's responsible, ultimately, for every problem. He's expected to fix every problem because he has access to the resources and the people to fix them. Of course, Morrison does not have the personality or the sense of destiny to take control. He dithers, he deflects, he searches desperately for ways to elude responsibility. He's now become so predictable in his public appearances that we listen for the we instead of the I when it comes to accepting the Commonwealth's major task, which can be condensed into three words. Keep Australians safe. Attending the cricket is trivial, however, when we look at the way the Prime Minister hijacked the pandemic response and opened up the country before it was ready. The irony of a fundamentalist Christian telling us to throw off the shackles and take back our lives is stunning. A man whose every aspect of life is controlled by his religion, telling us to live free so the economy can roar back into life and get him re-elected. It was a huge gamble. Now he cries that Omicron was a surprise. It wasn't. It was decimating Europe and the US and we were insulated from its damage. Until he opened the borders, we were safe. But grumbling. Now we are in mourning. Morrison has proved himself to be spectacularly bad at planning. In the early days of the pandemic, he sometimes over-delivered. Much of his response was reputation repair after his Hawaii holiday, but it worked. Deaths were kept to a minimum, health advice was followed, and we felt that our government was putting people ahead of the economy. Of course, the lessons he learned in the first year and a half have been totally forgotten.
Economists have almost universally supported leaving the job seeker payment where it was because the poor spend their cash immediately. They don't pay the mortgage, they don't buy a speedboat, they buy food and they pay their bills. But Morrison knew better. He reduced it back to starvation levels and threw out the safeguards. Morrison and Hunt then told us to look at numbers in hospitals, not case numbers. Then, because they thought it was like a cold, they reduced support for testing. They did not buy the rapid antigen tests, although they were the only way for us to test ourselves. And so the inevitable happened. The sick were heading off to work because they had to and because they had no way of self-testing. As more of them became ill, the supply chains collapsed. As the booster shops were certified and deemed essential, we didn't have enough of them, or if we did, they were in the wrong place. The vulnerable groups remained the same that they had been in the first waves. Indigenous communities, those covered by the NDIS, the regions, the economically disadvantaged were all exposed again. They continued to bear the burden of infections, hospitalisations, lack of testing, lack of boosters. Amidst the rising infection rates, Morrison and Frydenberg were talking or taking the time to boast about the economy. Take a walk along any shopping strip and see the shut shops. Take a look at supermarkets and look at the empty shelves. Ironically, as Morrison lifted restrictions, many of us self-imposed. Someone had to do it because the government went missing. Morrison's triumphal progress to another term is looking pretty sick because he became tangled up in stupid plans to push through. This was part of his rebranding as a freedom fighter, and we are paying the price. Their characterisation of the deaths in aged care this year has sunk to levels of infamy not seen in Australia before. They now regularly insert the false narrative that most, 60% of the elderly Australians dying of neglect in aged care facilities were at death's door already, so no harm done is the implication. No, their deaths are not able to be dismissed. That's why we call the facilities nursing homes. They're not dying homes. People who have lived lives, paid taxes, brought up children, built this country so the spivs in the Morrison government can write off their deaths as incidental. 1,600 people or, and still counting, have died in Australia with or from the coronavirus so far this year. There's no exact figure because it's going up at anywhere between 50 and 100 each day. The Commonwealth Chief Medical Officer expects more variants, another flu season and winter to present many more deaths in 2022. It might be time to retire the lot of them and see if there is a way to prosecute those who have failed us. Thank you for listening. And you can find Bucko at askbucko.com. And now let's hear from Dick Gagan. It's a while since I've heard from him. Extremely arrogant to claim this song as Scottish because it's sung all over the world. But I'm claiming it as Scottish. My nerves life is like a sailor's board the ship to cross the waves every day. His life's in danger, still he ventures being brave. Watch the rocks, they're falling daily. Careless miners always fail. Keep your hand upon your wages and your eye 
upon the scale. Union miners stand together, do not heed the cobalt's tale. Keep your hand upon your wages and your eye upon the scale. You've been docked and docked again, boys. You've been voting three for one. What of you to show for working since your mining days begun? Worn out shoes and worn out miners, blackened lungs and faces pale. Keep your hand upon your wages and your eye upon the scale. Union miners stand together, do not heed the cobalt's tail. Keep your hand upon your wages and your eye upon the scale. Conclusion, dear in memory, keep this password in your mind. Worker strength cannot be broken when in union we combine. Stand up tall and stand together, victory for you prevail. Keep your hand upon your wages and your eyes. Upon the scale, union miners stand together. Do not heed the cobalt's tail. Keep your hand upon your wages and your eye upon the scale. There's plenty of specialist music programs to choose from on the 3CR grid. Explore the 3CR schedule online at 3cr.org.au. Yes, this is our vibration. Check out Music Sans Frontier. Great voices. Music matters. The hip sister hop show. The heavy session. The Planet X radio show. Satellite skies. Shindig. Sweet dreams. Tune in to 3CR 855 AM on your digital radio or streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Let our music make you happy. Time to hear from the bagman, the oh-so-elusive bagman. Ah, good morning. You're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. Well, good morning, bagman. It's been a long time between cocktails. Yes, um, uh, good morning, Susan. It has been a long time between drinks. And I must say, um, lips that touch alcohol, I know, don't 
touch yours, but I'm <laughs> I'm a I'm a different kettle of fish. You anyway, are. good morning. It's good to be back on the air. Isn't it? Yes, it's better. Good morning to everyone out there in listener land. Here in the three CR community. And I want to tell you very seriously, yeah. before anything, I want to be very serious here. Oh. I was not an ACO spy. Why not? Well, then no one recruited me. Well, they used to pay well in those days. I'll say, but no one ever got on to me. I've just been reading about an old chook that used to infiltrate uh, the peace movement, and she used to get paid five quid a week plus two pound for expenses. Now, that's a well-paid job. That's as good as being a politician these days. Yeah, it was. I see that she infiltrated the Union of Australian Women. Oh, my God. That that militant communist mob. Yeah, hotbed of terrorism. Yep. Hello to Auntie Betty, even though she's passed on uh, a few years ago. Hello, Auntie Betty. She can hear you. Yes, I'm sure she can. And so can... and so also can Elmer. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so can Pauline from the Campaign for International Peace and Disarmament. Oh, yes. All, all the good comrades that have gone to, well, I won't say upstairs, but they've gone somewhere to a better place where there's no exploitation, there's no sexism, uh, there's no of all those bad things that we suffer from here on earth, they've gone to a better place. It's a big coffee shop on a beach. Oh, is it? Yeah. Too bad they don't drink coffee. Oh, they don't have to drink the coffee. (laughs) All right. Now, Susan, we've been doing this program for a very, very long time. As a matter of fact, about 34 years. And you know that I'm not as smart as a builder's labourer, but I am infinitely smarter than an anti-vaxxer or a sovereign soldier. And I've got to tell you, I'm not very book smart. In my lifetime, I probably read two books. And we go back to the days of St. Brendan's in Flemington, uh, where I read the Catechism. Uh, and it wasn't until a few years later that I actually graduated to the ragged, trousered, Philanthropist. Now, they're the only two books that I've probably read in my life, but I'm well into one by now. And it's a person you know who's written this book. Her name is Van Badham. Yeah. And she has written a short and shocking history of the internet conspiracy cults, and it's called Q and On and On. Now, the reason I mention this is. Don't send, when you finish reading it, don't send it off to, to some Vinnie's or some other op shop to languish on the shelves. Pass this on to someone in your family, a good friend or a person who may be afflicted by the conspiracy theories that are happening right now. Um, now, Van Batham actually uh, infiltrated uh, these conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theorist websites, and uh, un- unbeknown to them, 
she was passed on a lot of information. And so she written this book, QAnon and On, by Van Batham. And I think it's a lucid, insightful and witty book to be read by everybody. I'll have to have a look out for it. Well, Susan, if you can't find it, I'm sure that we could lend you a copy of it because I want to make sure that it goes to the right people and it doesn't languish on the shelves of some uh, charity uh, shop. Can you, uh, I'm, I'm not, this isn't in the book, but I was watching a conspiracy website the other day and a reasonably intelligent woman, young woman, came on and tried to convince me and as obviously other people have been convinced, that Dan Andrews is not Dan Andrews. What? Because when, no, 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 no. <laughs> he's not no. Dan Andrews. He's not Dan Andrews. No, no, he's not the person that fronts up every day to a press conference because when Dan Andrews was injured, he fell down some slippery stairs. When he and, broke his uh, back broke his back and a majority of his ribs, he was then spirited away to China. Yes, and there they made a clone of Dan Andrews and he is the person that you see every day on your television. Now, Susan, I couldn't make this up. No, you... It's impossible to make up that sort of stuff. He's a clone. He's a clone. Yes. And well, why, why didn't they make a clone of Harold Holt while they were there? <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> well, he was picked up by a Chinese submarine, wasn't Chinese he? Chinese submarine, that's, that's right. Um, and I was watching another YouTube channel where a young lady come on, very intelligent. Well, they're not. She's obviously not. Well, she... Presented as being intelligent. Well, and she said, she said she went to the airport to catch a plane, but she refused to wear a face mask. And when she entered the terminal, she was approached by people to say, it's a law, my dear, that you must wear a face mask. Well, there was a bit of toing and froing between the police and this woman who refused uh, to wear the face mask. Um, so eventually... Uh, this woman was forced to wear a face mask for the safety of all other passengers. But before she put the face mask on, she looked into the eyes of that policewoman and she seen the scaly eyes of a reptile behind the glasses of that policewoman. Of course. <laughs> I... I believe, actually, Bagman, <laughs> I believe there are hundreds of people who think that there are lizards wandering around the country, around the world, disguised as human beings. That's right. And there are hundreds of people who believe this. Yeah, I'm saying but... <laughs> dim is not a word. Dim is not enough to describe these people. What is wrong with them? What is in the water? There. Susan, to, to give them the proper description, these lizard people to take on the form of a human person are actually shapeshifters and they're lizard uh -huh. people 
behind the persona of uh, of these people. Well, take into account every politician, every politician in the world is a pedophile, according to these people. So it's not just uh, Hillary Clinton. It's not just her. Oh, no. Oh, no. It goes way beyond poor old Hillary. <laughs> and her pizza shop. Well, I'm just up to the up to the chapter where the guy who was disturbed about all those children that were um, below the deck in the pizza shop and he's about to come in and shoot the person who was running that pizza shop. But anyway, I've yet to yet to read that chapter, Susan. Anyway, I, I got, a, I got a, uh, a message from a friend of mine, Alison Alloway, and she said anti-mandate protesters in Canberra. Now, Mark Patton, or Patton, a Liberal member of the ACT Legislative Assembly, said he spent more than an hour talking with demonstrators at their campsite last week. Now, you, you'll know that there are people camped outside of Parliament House. And he said, and I quote him, I found it very difficult to have a coherent conversation with any of them because they genuinely believe that all elected members of any parliament will be arrested for treason. And treason. he said, and some of them genuinely believe that there will be public execution. Well, we can only wait with beta breath, I suppose. Susan. What country are these people living in? They're <laughs> living in Australia, Susan. And well, someone should tell them that this is Australia. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. Talking about liars, now we've had Barnaby Joyce apparently send through a certain second person a message to Brittany Higgins saying that the Prime Minister is a hypocrite and a liar. Now, Barnaby's come out in the last week and said, oh, yes, that's what I said then, but I don't believe it now because I've been working with him for six months. Well, I've got to be careful what I say on the radio, but this makes Barnaby Joyce, not just Scott Morrison, but Barnaby Joyce also a hypocrite and a liar. And my advice to Barney... Barnaby is to never send a text when you're intoxicated. Well, don't do anything when you're intoxicated, Barnaby. <laughs> that that would stop him doing anything, wouldn't it? Oh, am I well, allowed to say that? Yes, you are, Susan. <laughs> uh, look, I'm sorry to bring this up again, but I do have to bring it up, and I brought it up in the weeks coming up before we were, we went off here. Aged care. Uh, there, are, there are hundreds of people dying in Victoria um, from the COVID virus. And as I said in a previous, on a previous website, dead is becoming the new normal. Now, you remember that uh, Dan Andrews done a great job here uh, in Victoria protecting us from COVID 
until he was sold out by Scott Morrison. Uh, what was her name? Berejiklian. Um, yeah. Now we accept, yeah, people are going to die. People are going to die from COVID. People are marching on the streets, spreading the virus and whatever, and people are dying. And I'm saying that is not good enough. Now, I have my own idea about what happened, what should happen to those people who are spreading those deadly viruses uh, on the streets of Melbourne and Canberra, but I'll keep that to myself for the moment. Well, I have my own ideas too, but I don't want to say it on air because I'll have the radio station taken off and people <laughs> and people will think badly of me and say, I didn't know she was such a bloodthirsty old mole. <laughs> I've never heard you described that way, Susan. Oh, good, a, good. A bloodthirsty old mole. Well, I hope oh. you never do. <laughs> So I won't tell you my ideas about those people who are deliberately out there infecting people deliberately. Yes, but we've become, we've come to accept it. The cry of freedom means the cry of dead people dying in our hospitals. Now, it's a good thing that the hospital uh, attendance has actually been reduced so that pressure is off the doctors and the nurses and the frontline troops who are the heroes um, of this uh, of this state. Um, but it can't you, know, you can't take away the fact that hundreds of people are dying of this virus that's being spread by the anti-vaxxers, the sovereign soldiers, and all those wackos that believe in the conspiracy theories of QAnon. And they believe that Dan Andrews is a clone. That's a true. How can anyone believe that? I mean, seriously, how can anyone believe that Dan Andrews is a clone? Well, it's the wonders of modern technology that uh, the Chinese have been able to spirit him away uh, to China lock him up there and send back a clone here that sounds as intelligent as the previous Dan Andrews. I wonder if they could make a clone of me. Oh. Well, I have, I have so many things to do, I wouldn't mind another one of me to give me a hand. Oh, that might be taking uh, the wonders of modern technology a bit too far, Susan. A bit too would far. We ever want, <laughs> would we ever want to... Susan Duffy's walking the streets of Melbourne. One, one, one could stay home and clean the fridge. <laughs> uh, yeah, at least, oh, I don't know, at least Gladys got one thing right about ScoMo. He, she said he's a horrible, horrible person, a fraud and a psycho. And there you are, and there he was saying how much Gladys thought of him. <laughs> oh well, uh, and, and I don't, go, I don't want to hear anyone tell me again that she was forced from her job. She stepped down voluntarily before she was charged. Because if she were charged, she'd lose all her pension. So she stepped down quickly. Well, we've got to take into account that politicians do have some 
trams and trains, Susan. Some of them do, yes, when they aren't clones. <laughs> That's right. Or bloody lizards. <laughs> oh, you've got me going, Susan. And what, what, talk- kind of, what kind of lizards? Do you reckon some are like, well, there was a media magnate who was a goanna. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh, golly, that guy, that's taking us back to the Dark Ages. The Goanna. Yes. I think that was Kerry Packer. It was. <laughs> but he was oh, really... We can say that. We can say was, that because he's now dead. Because he's dead, yeah. But he was really a Goanna. Oh, was he? One of the original lizard people. Oh. That was before the conspiracy theorists and uh, the, uh, uh, the QAnon people. Well, I've got to go back to the aged care for a minute, Susan. I've got to go back to the aged care. Uh, the Minister for Aged Care, well, hundreds and hundreds of people are dying in aged care facilities. What did this bloke do? Instead of appearing at a Senate committee in Parliament House, he went to the test cricket for three days in a row. Now, if this bloke is not sacked, um, he should be hung, drawn and quartered. Now, we're not advocating violence on this program, but if there was ever a reason for anybody to be sacked while people are dying, he went for three days to a test match of cricket. Ah, well, he's had a pretty good innings anyway. He can go now. Oh, I think they've all had a fairly good uh, a go, and I'm I'm getting encouraged by um, you know, Anthony Albanese um, at the moment. Uh, I would have preferred a woman to be in his position, but I think that uh, the Liberal Coalition has actually shot themselves in the foot, and they're not looking good for the next general election. I hope everyone doesn't think, oh, it's okay, they won't get back in. This is no time to relax. This is no time to sit back. This is the time to tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, everyone you meet on the bus stop or sitting next to on the tram at your 1.5 metre distance, of course, tell them, get rid of these bastards in Canberra. Get rid of them. Well, as many pensioners who would listen to this program, Susan, you can rest assured if this Morrison government gets re-elected, they will introduce the Hindu card so that your pension will be taken away from you and you will only be able to spend things uh, that the government, or you only be able to buy things or spend things uh, that the government approves of. And that's a shocking tale to tell to people who have been paid their taxes all their life, worked hard and whatever uh, to earn uh, the miserly pension that's being paid. Many of our listeners, Bagman, are pensioners, old age pensioners, only by virtue of the fact that they've been listening for 34 years. Yes. And they are, they are now pensioners. So remember, but they will know, they will remember not to vote for these bastards. They oh, will sure. remember the cashless welfare card. They mm. will remember the rip-off what's happening that was started by that bloke 
Twiggy Forrest. How dare he call himself Twiggy like he's a mate of yours. And, he's a mate uh, of mine. Oh, yeah. And the bank, the Indian <laughs> bank. That's Larry Antony's. That's right. Oh, well. Well, people will line up and they will wait for the last minute to hear all the promises that are made by this government. And unfortunately, some people will say, oh, well, I've got a few bucks in my, a few more bucks in my pocket. I'll vote for him. Don't fall for the lies. What was the last it, one? The last one was um, tax credits, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, tax and credits. You can have tax but, credits even though you're not bloody eligible for them. Yes, that's right. Uh, oh, well, we've got to wait for lies to come thick and fast, Susan, in the next couple of months. Uh, on that note, Susan, I think it's uh, – I've just looked at Town Hall clock in Coburg and it might be time for me to shuffle off this mortal coil. Oh, no, no. You, no, not off the mortal coil bag, man. <laughs> the mortal coil of the radio, Susan. You mean the oh, – oh, God, you frightened me then. Anyway, Susan, oh, let, until... let me just Let me just look out the window myself. It's a bit of a stretch. Well, I look down oh, at uh, the Collingwood Town Hall clock. Hang oh, on. Yeah. Hang on. I'm just leaning out. Yes. Yes, Bagman, you're I right. wouldn't believe the time on the Town Hall clock in Collingwood. Anyway, Susan, let's go out the same old way. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. You don't fight. You lose. Good morning from the left after breakfast team. 